are back with another episode of Conversations and Connections. We're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson. I'm the prevention coordinator for the agency. And with me today is Dr. Dr. Evelyn Sauceda. She is the direct, uh, at Nacogdoches ISD, the director of uh, bilingual ESL and migrant worker programs. Did yes. I get all that? That is correct. correct. That <laughs> okay. is correct. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Saseda, thank you very much for um, taking some time uh, to uh, allow me to come over here and, and talk to you about uh, specifically, well, everything that you do, the bilingual, the ESL, and also the migrant worker program mm -hmm. uh, here at Nacogdoches ISD. Um, and I guess, first of all, the first question I'm going to have for you really is, what's the purpose or the goal maybe we should say, of the bilingual program uh, at here at the school district? Well, um, it is a broad um, array of services that we provide. But if I would have to explain to someone um, that the main purpose for this is to serve um, emerging bilingual students, which are students that are learning English as a second language. Okay. And the thing that we help our students is for two main purposes. One, for the students to have or to acquire um, the linguistic abilities to be successful academically. Um, but in addition, we want to make sure that uh, we really foster or support that socio-emotional component. Um, because the reality is that here, at least here in Nacogdoches, we have a large number of emerging bilingual students who are recently arrived from um, Mexico and Central America or even different countries who it is really a cultural shock to come to a new language, a new culture. Well, I think a lot of times people don't probably realize it's more than just being unfamiliar with the English language. It's like you said, it's, it's a different culture exactly. to a lot of these kids. And they're not only being introduced to a new school, a new language, but also a new culture here in East Texas. And can you imagine, um, because this is how the way that I explain, is uh, let's say that um, you and I move or, or your family moves to Germany. Um, thinking that you don't speak German. And then as, as, a, as a father, you have to adjust and provide for your family. You don't speak the language. Um, housing, um, uh, you know, where do you get the bills? Um, all that um, essential basic needs. So the support, what we do here, uh, don't, doesn't only um, include the students, but also the families. And that is part of our requirements for the state that um, part of the funds that we have um, are also guided to um, families of emerging bilingual uh, students so we can actually create that connection and that engagement with them um, because we understand that the students are new, they're learning the language, but at the same time, we want to make sure their families and parents are successful. Um, so what we do sometimes is provide, for example, organizations like you try to um, bring that information to them in a, in a language that they can understand. Sure. Well, I was looking at the uh, the Nacogdoches ISD website the other day, and it says that the program serves almost 2,000 students. That is correct. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yes, it is. Um, and if you actually think about the total um, body student population, that's going to be almost one-third of the total student population. A lot of pe people wonder, wait a minute, are all of those students newly arrived? 
and the answer is no. So we have um, like an umbrella. We have some that are, you know, newly arrived one year or less in the U.S. schools. We have some that are three years. Okay. We have some that we call long-term um, students who probably arrived six years ago, but yet again, they have not acquired that academic English that is necessary for them to be successful. Yes, ma'am. And we also have some that maybe are second generation, that maybe were born here in Memorial Hospital. And you wonder why would students, I mean, American citizen students, would need services? The reason is that sometimes they are raised by grandmother who doesn't speak English, mom and dad work all day. Sometimes they don't get to see the parents. Sure. So they actually have that language. Um, their first language is Spanish. So we look at it case by case, um, giving us right. almost a thousand students. That's that's just that, I saw that and I had to do a double take when I first saw that number. <laughs> that I was correct. like, wow, that that is that that's an amazing number. So you, you kind of told us what the purpose is of, of, of the program. How are these services delivered to students? Like, um, are they are they attending separate classes from the other population of kids? Uh, how? What all is entailed in that? So the services start uh, on the first day of um, any parent communicating with us and saying, you know what, I just arrived, I have a student, or any student whatsoever coming from another district. Uh, we look at the home language survey, um, and if they have a language older than English, we ask the parents and do a language test to see the student's language proficiency levels. Based on that, we have different supports in the classroom. We, we do have a bilingual program for Spanish-speaking students. Um, and we have three campuses where we serve um, bilingual, um, where we have bilingual education. Uh, for students that speak a language other than Spanish, let's say Vietnamese or Chinese, um, sure. we do have English as a second language. And we place students uh, in the general education classroom but they are being served by a certified English as a second language teacher or ESL teacher. Sure. And I think that is important to realize, and, and I've, I find myself doing this, when you talk about a bilingual program at ESL, you just automatically always assume it's all going to be uh, Spanish. Correct. And, and you have to realize that there's other languages out there, right, that yes. students may need uh, services that they may, you know, Spanish may not be their native language, may yes. be another foreign language. In fact, we have about more than 25 spoken languages in the district, other than English and Spanish. Really? Yes. Wow. I wanted to ask you this. It, is sometimes in the program, is it a challenge, you know, and I guess are, are some families fearful if you, if they, if it's found out, you know, that no one speaks Spanish. They may be immigrants that they're fearful of being deported or being Definitely. found out of yes. maybe not being here, going through the proper channels mm -hmm. at first. And it's, is it a challenge for you to try to find these students who need the program because of their families being fearful of, um, I don't know what other word to put it, but being deported yes. or or uh, being penalized for not maybe coming here through the proper channels at first. Um, I think that we are really trying our best to provide the message that school is safe, that um, it, by no means we are related to immigration services. Right, sure. I think that we do see, however, a difficulty in actually 
providing the extended services. And I'm gonna give you an example. If many of our families might not have food to eat at the table, might not have clothes to wear or clean clothes or running water. And we do have um, in the county or places that we can actually help, but for them to actually raise their hand and saying, I need help, it is very difficult because then um, when we are involving outside agencies, they have more difficulty trusting that that is not going to be the case. Sure. Or I'm going to say um, cases of injustice or things that have happened, sometimes they do stay quiet. So for that reason, we really want to try to engage our parents and families and try to provide as much information as we can through our, um, I'm going to say, education services. A lot of people ask us, why do you have to be involved in so many other agencies or providing other information other than educational? And that is the same reason why. Because when a family, a home is stable, our students are going to be successful. Okay, great. I want you to talk a little bit about the migrant education mm -hmm. services uh, in that uh, you do have families who help families who qualify for that. What is that all about? Well, and before I answer that question, I want to clarify something because a lot of people confuse migrant with immigrant. Most of us, so migrant obviously is all the families that are traveling due to work uh -huh. and are seasonal. So um, our students and families do have a very different educational need because they might be here with us for three months or for six months and then they leave. So um, Texas Education Agency, we have like a tracking system of support. So um, if our students, they go to California because their parents are working, they're migrant, we want to make sure that as soon as they get there, that we are connecting them with the school system so services are being provided immediately. Because you know when you move to a new place, by the time that you get, you don't know who to talk to, and then you have to say, you know. So we want to make sure that um, our services, that, that we're helping those families and following mm -hmm. them wherever they go, and they know that. Sure. Um, that's one. Obviously, our and those are our migrants. And then for the immigrants, we do have like those additional services that I kind of mentioned before, which are our newly arrived families that um, that might not have connections or might sure. not understand. Uh, you know, where do I go if I need counseling or mental health services, for example? Right. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad you did point that out. I think a lot of times when people hear migrant, they think it's immigrant as well or, oh, yes. or whatever, but uh, you could be a full-fledged citizen and still exactly. be a migrant worker Definitely. Uh, going from place to place, region to region. Yes. And I can see how that can be disruptive for mm -hmm. students, Definitely. Uh, you know, when, when uh, their parents are moving around like that all the time. Yes. So um, how many people does it have, or I guess does it take uh, for a program like this to work? Uh, I, I'm familiar with you, but obviously, you know, there's staff involved. How many folks are with this program, uh, employees here that help out? So here at the administration building, um, I, you know, I'm the head and run the program, but we have an amazing administrative assistant uh, who is also the PIMS coordinator for the entire district who every time 
any change of placement, any additional support changes, um, they have to change. We have a translator, district-wide translator, because everything from every department needs to be translated, and sometimes not only to Spanish, but other languages sure. as well. Um, then, in the campus level, we do have, um, obviously, bilingual certified teachers who are working our bilingual programs and ESL certified teachers. And that varies depending on um, the number of students and the number of classrooms that we have at, in every okay. campus. In, in addition to that, we have E7 uh, English learner specialists who are the ones that do all the intake and the uh, um, although I'm gonna say the paperwork that takes to make sure that the students are being served and that they have a program that is according to the student needs. So we have seven that serves the 10 different campuses. So they are the first initial contact with the parent, they are monitoring the student progress, they are checking with the parents, um, they're having meetings to determine um, you know, how the student is and making progress, checking with the teachers, but also supporting not only the student, but also the teachers in providing those additional um, strategies um, that students that are learning English might mm -hmm. need. Do you know how long a program like yours, and I'm assuming other school districts may have similar programs, mm -hmm. how long have these been around? Because I, it's hard to imagine what life must have been like for a student before these kind of services were provided for them? Well, um, let me tell you that I'm going to say, every, yes, some districts have. By law, every district where there's a grade level where students, more than um, 20 students speak the same language, they, are, they must provide a bilingual program in whatever language they decide. Okay. So it's by law. Okay. However, it is sometimes very difficult to find a teacher that speaks that language. It's easier to find in Spanish. Um, in every district, depending on the number of students and the resources, meaning the teachers, um, it is the extent of, of their services that they can provide okay and you ask uh, or you wonder a really important questions what would have been like let me tell you that a lot of our second generations of parents or individuals um you probably can talk to many of them who actually experienced what it was like to come to um to a U.S. school where your parents, grandparents speak Spanish, you speak sp Spanish at home, and then come into the school and be penalized because you wanted to speak your language. Right. And when I say penalized, it's like you will get in trouble. You would, you know, at the time, you mm -hmm. will be corporal punishment. Yeah. Uh, before the law and the regulation said, you know what, um, being bilingual, it is not a deficit, rather a gift. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. Um, you know, um, you're, I, I was reading up on your history on, on the website, and you have a very interesting background. You're, you're a native of Mexico. Yes. How did you find yourself here, and what inspired you to get into education and doing the work that you're doing now? Um, believe it or not, I had some family here. Um, so because in Mexico, I failed my English class. So my parents thought it would be a good idea for me to learn English um, in, in one year. Um, but I came here and I made my husband my high school sweetheart. And Aww. I never left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what inspired me to be in education, um, 
obviously my mom is a teacher. Okay. Uh, but not necessarily, um, obviously she wanted me to be in education, but one of the things that I saw as I was getting in college, had the opportunity to uh, be an uh, intern in the public school and seeing um, students and, and families around me uh, not being understood or or even my personal experience, how difficult it is to have that acculturation process um, that a lot of people didn't quite understand. Right. Um, because it's not only the academic struggle, but it's very um, emotional and it's very, um, the frustration is, is self for students, especially because students want to do good. Parents want their kids to do good. But when the state assessment, I'm going to say you are required to be at part to a native English speaker, uh -huh. to be able to graduate, for example, to be able to pass your classes, because there's no specific provisions to say, you know what, you are newly arrived, I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you an A because you, I see that you have a lot of effort. No. Um, we grade what we get. Yeah. So because of that, um, I saw the need. So then the need became my passion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you went to, where did you go to college? Actually, at SFA, because okay. my parents later on moved here to Nacogdoches, and I'm, I, a lot of people would not understand, but it is kind of a culture thing for women to kind of stay with, close to their parents, so I did my bachelor's, <laughs> my master's, and my doctorate at SFA all for at, convenience. Okay, all at SFA. <laughs> yes. Well, great. All right, and, and finally... Um, Dr. Saseda, I just if someone's interested in, in getting these services, if they're listening and their child is in uh, Nacogdoches ISD, uh, where can they go? Who can they contact? <clears throat> Excuse me. How, how do they go about that? So, um, obviously, they can always come to our administration um, office um, and or look at our phone number and our website, 936-569-5000. Very easy. Um, and, or they can even go to any of their community schools, the one that is closest to them. Uh, because as soon as we have any new student or anyone who has a question, they immediately call me. So um, I now call them back. Another great way that they can find information or they can reach out to us is through our Spanish um, social media, which is Nacadoches ISD Español. We are great about answering questions um, in Messenger. And that's another way that parents can communicate with us sure. automatically. So that's great. Um, and obviously, like I said, our website um, and I'm glad you asked like if anyone has a question a lot of parents or community out there they don't realize that we also have a dual language program that serves uh, native English speakers who are looking for learning Spanish as a second language we oh, okay. have that at Thomas J. Ross Elementary and starts in kindergarten um, and um, we have had different generation I'm gonna say I'm a four or five who have gone through the program. And if you want your student to be bilingual, bicultural, and biliterate, um, that's a great way. Sure. To go. It's like a um, hitting jewel. Well, I think it's such an important 
benefit for anyone yes, to yes. have that under their belt now Definitely. you know so well great well dr saseda thank you so much for taking some time to to do this today i, I really appreciate it well it has been my pleasure well thank, thank you, you. and also like as always i like to remind everyone if you feel like you need the services of the family crisis center we do have our toll-free 24-hour a day seven day a week hotline that's 1-800-828-7233 subscribe to conversations and connections via spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast pretty much any podcast service of your choice and as always be the voice if not for you for someone else